0: Welcome to the Dr. Mudgill podcast. Uh, I'm very excited to have a man who needs no introduction sitting in the seat across from me. Uh, Keith Bangman McCurdy has changed the tattoo game. Um, a true legend tattooed everybody under the sun. Um, I'm sure everyone knows all the famous folks that you tattooed, but more compelling than all those famous people. It's just your, your story, your journey, um, your the way you respond to failure, and have turned that into a tremendous, the tremendous success that you are, is uh, the reason why I'm so excited to be with you, my man. Well, man,
1: I I can just say I'm I'm humbled to be here. Your interest in what we do is uh, is you know is I mean it really legitimizes um, it, it legitimizes all the hard work we've been doing. So you know, um, a lot of people don't take tattooing seriously, and so
0: for you to be interested in what we do and to put me on your platform means a lot. I appreciate it, man. Well, it's interesting that you say that because. I feel like tattooing is something that's become so much more mainstream just you know the folks who follow my social media know that I got my first tattoo this year and it's something I've actually been thinking about for years Um, and uh, you know like it's just become just part of mainstream culture, you know. And yeah. I, uh, I did have some trepidation about getting my getting getting a tattoo, but I knew I was in great hands when I when I went to your spot, and uh, it was an amazing experience. Which I'm going to get into a little bit, just how you've kind of changed the whole culture of tattooing, and uh, something that was perhaps not considered mainstream and you know, on sort of the periphery of mainstream. Society, although, you know, that's that's questionable, has become something that's just very acceptable in mainstream. So, and you, and you, and you played a big role in that, man. It's getting there. It's still got a long way to go. A lot of hard work. It takes people
1: in tattooing, taking it seriously. And, um, it's a, it's a interesting, easy thing to get into. You can buy tattoo equipment on the internet without licenses in many states. You don't have to be licensed. And so like, there's a lot of people in tattooing that aren't helping it carry, but there are a lot of people who are. So it, it's going to take more time, more effort, and uh, and people, you know, treating it with professionalism, you know, yeah. on both sides, clients and, and artists alike.
0: Yeah, which is very much like the the experience that I had. Um, I'm going to dive into that a bit, then we're going to go backtrack. But when I went, I went to your Grand, Grand Street location, um, and it was over three sessions that I had my tattoo. But I, I remember, first of all, the whole process of making the appointment was so professional. In fact, I learned but I learned from your process it helped my business um, it was re- very streamlined you know you, you email uh, you email bang bang first and you kind of request the artist that you'd like to work with and then the artist bets the art that you want to do and there's, it's a pretty you know extensive questionnaire that you have to fill out um, with you know the specific anatomic location you want the tattoo the size of the tattoo what the tattoo is of some representative images of what you might think your tattoo you know would want to emulate. And, um, you know, after that vetting process, the artist either says yay or nay. And if the artist says yay, I actually had a FaceTime, which is not – I know I, my tattoo artist was Trudy. Uh, Trudy lines on Instagram if you guys want to follow her. Who you should follow. She's, gonna, she's an amazing tattoo artist. But she actually FaceTimed me. She travels a lot, so she FaceTimed me. And we just had a FaceTime consultation just to talk about the art a little bit. And, you know, the vision – I wanted a Ganesh. Ganesh is very important uh, in, my, in my life, the Indian god. And, you know, my vision of what I wanted was actually very different than what we actually ended up with. And I really credit that to Trudy's vision and the artist's vision, creating something that I'm so, like, excited to have on my body. Just, you know, it really represents what I wanted this tattoo to be. And then from that, going into the location, it's, like, so it's so high-end, man. It's, like, really uh-huh. just, you know, you're greeted by this is a beautiful reception area. I was immediately taken down to the lounge area, which is on... The, on the basement level, uh, which is like just super, you know, like chill posh space where you have like you know all these snacks and water and you know it's right next to the smoking room. So It smells like weed. Yeah, it, smells <laughs> a, it does smell a lot like weed in, the, in, in that in 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 the parlor, um, which is also something that's become a lot more mainstream as well. Yeah. Um, but it was just an awesome experience, and you know that I think is I mean, the artists are all like world-class artists. I know you recruit artists from all over the world. You sponsor their visas from other countries. Um, you know, you you really play a big role in having the best talent in your shop. And you guys, you have a lot of artists that work in, in alongside you. Um, but it was that the, 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 apart from the art, it's like those intangibles that make you feel like you're in good hands and you know, just from the details, and this is something I do in my office too. Like those bang bang gloves that you have, those black gloves. I actually have those same gloves from the same manufacturer with my logo on them. Did like, you get them after, or did we? No, coincidentally- I got. I had them before. I had them before I saw them. Um, so right. when I when Trudy put the gloves, on, I was like, "Oh, I have those same exact gloves." Um, but it, those little details, like, and, and you probably do it because you obsess over detail, and you and your crew and your, you know, your, your, the guys that you collaborate with are all very obsessive over detail. But those details make all the difference. In the world and that's what really makes an experience like a decent experience to one that's like a super superb experience that's very difficult to emulate
1: i uh i can't help myself so like when i aim at something i'm like all right well what's the best we can do it so like budgets last as you can tell from grand street that we we weren't like competing with tattoo studios competing with the best designed spaces that we've ever seen. Yeah. So like, Apple stores, things like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I would challenge anybody to walk into an Apple store and then walk into grand street and you're going to be more impressive. You're going to be more impressed by grand street. Absolutely, it, we, we really like, we were trying to flex our creative muscle, you know, and show how our brand translates, not only from branding and an icon and a logo that you can identify with and a style of art, but also like, how's that translate into space? So like grand street feels like our brand in space um without artwork on the wall, so it's 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 minimalist but but to the extreme, you know you walk through a video tunnel and like that that video's built and processed in twenty four k it's like it's hard to find any Jeez. video on earth that's made in twenty four k and um anyway it's you know. It's a, a humble brag. I'm, I'm really proud of that space. Yeah, we man, spent should, 10 months on it, like, nonstop. You could just tell there was no, no sparing in the budget. I, you know, it's super posh. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just how I operate. Um, we don't have any investors. I don't have any partners. I own it. I fund everything. And uh, it's just, you know, I do things because they should be done. You know? So yeah. um, I want people to have that confidence. And when I walked in your office today, like... It's the best office I've seen.
0: Thanks, man. That's what you.
1: That's what you want. Like, oh, they care about everything. That's the level of detail people want.
0: Totally. I tell people I'm the bang bang of dermatology, man. <laughs> that's a uh, that's that's cool to hear, man. Uh, so, so just taking it back because we were talking about this a little bit before we got on here. Um, like, obviously, you're a tremendous success, and that's what everybody sees. Uh, you know like you're the guy you are the guy in the field or one of like the few guys you are like the LeBron you know the, all the top NBA players like you're in that category of tattoo artists Um, and that's what people see the thing that they don't see and this is what really compelled me when I was kind of parsing through your story is just is your response to adversity in your life and there's been a fucking ton of it you know and you know, that's what's, I love that. Like, I love that, you know, underdog story um, against the odds, get, you know, be, becoming successful against the odds, which really your that's what your story is really all about. I mean, you were, came into this world with teenage parents, um, you know, a relationship that was just destined not to succeed. You know, there were kids. I mean, Jesus, I think your your, your mom and I were 16 or 17 when they had you. I don't know which one was 16, which one was 17. But I, I, mean, I can't imagine. I can, I, I'm, you know, like I'm 46, and I, and I, and I struggle to raise my kids. You know, I can't imagine what it's like when you're 16 or 17 years old, and uh, you're know, your dad split to go to college, and you know, your mom was, I think she didn't graduate high school, or maybe she no. went back, but she was working to support you. you we're living with a extended family, and then you guys moved, and you know, it's to Delaware from Pennsylvania. And it's it just, you had, you were, you were living with projects, I think. Like, you yeah. know, there was zero chance for you to become the success that you are now. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I still don't
1: feel successful. And that I probably never will. Um, my reach exceeds my grasp always. So there's never an arrival point where I'm like, oh, I made it. This is where I was trying to get to. The moment I'm there, I have another point I'm reaching for. So, like, I still have a chip on my shoulder. I still outwork everybody. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm deep down, like as I've gotten older, I've become less so, but I'm, as I've gotten older, I've, uh, deep down, I've, I've become less so, but I'm competitive by nature because I have a chip on my shoulder. My mom raised me as a teenage parent by herself. Um, she was a dancer till I was a teenager. Um, and you know, she, she owned a cleaning business. She owned a vitamin store. My mom hustled. She was a hard worker and a great person, but a child raising a child and uh man i i just uh i don't know man there's something about me that doesn't that doesn't feel like i've arrived so
0: i, I love that yeah um, so, so I was, it's it's interesting because you're we're about 10 years apart dude. you're 35 i think right yes, um it, that's something i learned a lot later on in life uh and i wish you know, everyone has their own journey and everyone kind of gets to where they are through their journey, if you're willing to be keep your eyes open and be, like, sort of responsive to the universe. And that's my feeling now. Like, you know, it's you never get to a goal and be like, oh, cool, I'm done, you know. It's always about setting a bigger and better goal for yourself. And that's obviously what you've done. And, you know, even despite the failures that you had, which we'll get into, which that's all part of the process. And I have a chip on my shoulder, too. You know, I think that's what inspires and drives hustle, man. You mm-hmm. know, just always knowing that there's something else. And it's not to beat somebody else or be competitive with somebody else. It's that inter- being internally competitive, which, yeah. Well, it used to be. I had people I was aiming
1: at. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to kick their ass, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did. And and I realized, like, well, that doesn't really make you happy. It's like, that's, that's kind of easy. It's low-hanging fruit. It's people in tattooing that I would compete with, they're not working that hard. So it was like, I learned to stop competing with people and start competing with my expectation. You know what I mean? Like competing with what I expect from myself, the guy in the mirror, that's who you're competing with. That's who I'm competing with. And so, you know, I, I don't even really like being compared to tattoo artists. They're, they're not who I'm competing with. So I don't like the comparison. We do a different job often. I, I was a tattoo artist. Now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to manage one of the most famous skin companies in the world. That's what I'm trying to do. It's not anything about, it's so much less about tattooing and making tattoos on people. It's like, I want to give the artists the best experience they can get so I can recruit the best artists, the best situation. I want them paid the most. I want the best assistant staff. I want everything taken care of for them so they can really focus on their art. And then on the other side, I want that same thing for the client. I want to create an environment where, you know, the NFL's most, you know, valuable player would be able to come into my store and feel comfortable and get that regular experience that they can't get anywhere else. Or The NBA's, you know, finals MVPs is coming in and they're they're able to like chill out and it's not a big deal. Um, But at the same time, I want that electrician who saved all his money to get tattooed to come in and feel like a superstar. So I want to I want to give everybody the thing they want and so we're trying to curate experience. Human experience is something I'm really passionate about. I like making people happy. I like wowing people not just with the art I make, but the company I run, the environment I have and and the brand. And as we build, you know, the the next thing I'm working on is always the biggest thing I'm working on. And so I have so many things in progress right now that the world doesn't know about that that I think will change the world. So I'm like I'm as you mentioned, the goals get bigger. They also get longer. Like the term, you know, if my goal was, you know, when I was 18 years old, like, man, I'm going to work at this tattoo shop. I'm going to work for this guy, you know, top of the mountain. Um, I remember when I started when I was 18, Paul Booth was the, you know, the godfather of modern tattooing. He owned a store called Last Rights, and, and, and to his credit, he gave tattooing the effort that, um, that few did. And branding and he really led the way um and i that was my goal i said like, i'm gonna work the, i'm gonna work there someday that's at east village right that has gone now That's gone now. yeah pandemic crushed everything didn't it but you know i wanted to work for paul i got that job when i was 22 and the, and i kind of hated it and i remember thinking like fuck i need bigger goals like i didn't think i'd get that job at 22 i was a decade younger than anyone who'd ever worked for him and i remember thinking like man I need to reevaluate what my goals are. Like you only realize how small your goals are when you reach them. And mm-hmm. I, re- I reached that goal really quickly and, uh, and it, it didn't make me happy. So I had to like, I had to reevaluate what my goals were. And so I went to open the best tattoo shop in the world and uh, you know, it took me a few years to do it, but I felt like I did that. And then when I opened the best tattoo shop in the world, you know, uh, it was on, I thought, I thought we got to that point with broom street. And when we kind of exceeded max capacity, we were at like two shifts per day, 17 artists working a day in an in a store that was built for five. Like we were at max capacity. We had to build another store. So now I started competing with myself. So when we built Grand Street, it was to compete with Broom Street, which was the best tattoo shop in the world. It was the most followed, great artists, you know, best clientele, and already become a really famous brand. Um, and so... I, I wanted to kick my own ass. So Grand Street, if you compare the two, uh, you know, I would recommend walking into Broom Street first because if you walk in second, you'll go like, "Oh, this is this one's not as as I've great. never been." I've never been there actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you go now, you'll go yeah. like, "Oh wow, this place is great," but I get it. Like yeah. that place was built on a budget that was, uh, you know, an eighth of Grand Street's budget, and so, um, you know, when we were yeah, we we were competing with ourselves building Grand Street, and so. Um, we really flexed on it.
0: You did. <laughs> you did. I felt the flex, man. <laughs> um, so, man, just just going back though. So, someone. I mean, I, I your your dad went to college. But something there was like an academic vibe that I got like in your upbringing. Like you know, you were underperforming like growing up, and yeah. but your parents really expected you to academically perform i mean that's is that right only my father my mom didn't give a shit
1: about school she still doesn't she knows what's important in life it's like happiness you know joy family experience um and love like being kind my dad um was really good at school and uh, really focused on school and succeeded in school it's like middle school man i was getting straight f's i got the receipts you know, you know what I mean? I think I had like F, 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 D in music, F. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, was like, it was like a joke looking at my report card. Yeah. You know what I mean? But from a pure lack of effort. Yeah, I was not yeah. incapable, but I lived with my mom. My dad lived in New York. I lived in Delaware with my mom. My mom didn't make me do school. She didn't give a shit. She didn't care if I went to school. She didn't. Right. She was dancing all night. She didn't know if I didn't go. She right. got home at 2. So, you know, I was expected at a young age to get myself ready and go to school. Man, I didn't give a shit, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to run around with girls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so my pops, I remember I used to have to fax him every day my daily
0: progress reports.
1: Oh, really? dude? So yeah. he
0: was involved.
1: He tried to be, you know, from a distance. Yeah. Though, you know, I, right. I'll tell you, as a parent, I couldn't imagine being far from my kids. Yeah. I would do anything to be next to my kids. Yeah. I would sacrifice everything for my kids, so... You know, um, to the best of his ability, he was involved. He cared, at least. Yeah, Yeah. I think he cared. I think he cared in his way. Um, He tried. Um, We don't speak now for a number of reasons. But, you know, I I would say that when I was young, I felt his effort, you know. Mm. But it was always not the effort I needed. That's the thing with kids. It's the job of the parent to come to the child, not the job of the child to come to the parent. And that's the same thing with education. So I went through public school. Um, and I failed miserably. And I I wanted to go to boarding school. I wanted to go to all boys boarding school in high school because I wanted to take my life serious. I knew I had the ability. You felt that at like twelve or years in old in middle school, like yeah, like thirteen, twelve, thirteen years old. I had gone to camp and I met kids who went to boarding school. I went to all boys camp and I was like, man, this is fun. You know where I mean, was the camp? That, it was in Maine. It was called oh, you did? Timinus, I think. How'd you called. go to? How'd you end up at camp? My pop started to make money. So when that's I was like a fancy thing. School. Yeah. 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 My pop started to make money in middle school. He was real broke when I was growing up. He was a college kid. Like I said, mm. my parents were kids. So I remember him coming to Delaware, making himself big things of pasta at his mom's house, driving to New York and, you know, being a college yeah. kid right? Um, and struggling through that come up as an artist in New York City, uh, a graphic designer in a time where computers were still new. It was a weird thing, mm-hmm. but he started to make some bread and um, my opportunities opened up Things like camp, things like boarding school. I wanted to go to boarding school because I met kids at camp that were going to boarding school and they said it was great. I was like, shit, boarding school sounds like camp. I like camp, you know? So I went to check out schools and I went to a school called South Kent. Coincidentally, I was kicked out twice, but um, I had a really great experience there. I learned a lot there. I Are you seated with there. anyone
0: from there still? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They gave me an honorary diploma in 2015. Nice. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. I love it, uh, you know? It's, it's 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 uh you know the headmaster wrote me this really beautiful diploma and uh i had an unconventional avenue to that diploma but you know i think they felt i earned it yeah yeah i, know, I, so. I got kicked out the second time for cheating on a spanish test and then i went right. back to public
0: school in delaware and i just i didn't give a shit again you, you never know finished, I mean? right
1: no nah, yeah. i never finished high school
0: so well talk to me a little bit about so i mean there's like sort of like these aha moments in everyone's life, you know, I imagine like, you know, the people you were rolling with at the, at the private school were like, you know, their parents were like well-to-do people and, yeah. you know, they'd had kids, you know, the kids of privilege. Yeah. Um, how did that, do you think that impacted your trajectory in any way? Like, because for me, like I had a major turning point when I was in high school, like I was kind of uh, like a fuck up in like in middle school and stuff, you know, I got suspended a bunch of times and, you know, didn't do well academically then I fell in with a couple of guys who were, like, really smart and, like, really into academics. And they were, like, they were cool guys. Like, I really enjoyed hanging out with them. Still my best friends to this day. But they altered the trajectory of my life, you mm-hmm. know. And I can think back to, like, a few people that have done that, you know, it, uh, during the course of my life. I just – because you were just rolling with such a diametrically opposed group of people to, like, what you were growing up with before that. In terms of, like, not – you know, I'm not saying good people, bad people. I'm just saying yeah. in terms of, like, their ability to, to, like, just do shit and, like, have right. access to stuff. Did it change your perspective in any way, or did it, you know, like, the guys you're still friends with, you know, or get, I, yeah, I guess there would be guys. Yeah, I
1: mean, no, I, I, I feel like I saw a little bit of a different upbringing from some people, but it was really diverse. There were kids from Russia, there were kids, you know, who grew up in privilege, there were kids who didn't, there were some kids from the Bronx that, you know, that, that came on scholarship, and so, like, South Kent did a really good job of diversifying the school, and so... I fell into their high risk category, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we just so happened to have enough money to pay full tuition. But at the same time, like, I came from, you know, that that same level of uh, privilege or lack thereof as as some of the kids from the Bronx who were there on scholarship, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, you know, although I made friends there, it didn't, like, create me opportunity. The things that created me opportunity were really tattooing created all my opportunities right
0: well even are you, know, you talking so you know just kind of fast forwarding a little bit um you, you went back home and you got kicked out of school for cheating on the spanish test and you were you know you basically started you had some you know some i think you're working like red lobster or some shit like that and then <laughs> some like that but yeah you, you ended up just <laughs> devoting your life to being a tattoo artist yeah. but just backing going for a little further back from that were you always like a very talented Artists. I remember, like, when I was in elementary school, there were some kids that were just, like, fucking nasty at drawing, like, you know, whatever cartoons we were watching. Or just had, like, this yeah. natural ability. It was, like, such an impressive... T- I'm still so impressed by, like, by visual art, you know? Were you, like, one of those kids? I was one of those kids who had the ability, but I was lazy.
1: So I never really did art. But could, I could you, like, I
0: sketch could, shit? Like, you know? I could.
1: I just didn't. I was disinterested. What developed my art skills was tattooing made me finish things. So I could draw... But I didn't because the moment I understood what I was trying to draw, I didn't have to draw it anymore. I didn't have to try to draw it. And so I just didn't. I was more interested, growing up, more interested in playing basketball. Yeah. yeah running but you had around, like a natural off. talent though, right? Like- yeah. I always felt that I was the most talented artist in school, but I wasn't the hardest work. So I remember in middle school, there was like the artist of the year award and I never won it. And I remember the kid who did win it, we grew up together and I remember thinking, man, I kick this kid's ass you know what i mean like like but but you know he was the kid who drew all day every day you know i met him as an adult and he was moving pianos not that there's anything wrong with moving pianos but it it his peak of his art career at that time was middle school high school right and i i was lucky that what drove me to become really uh 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 Decent at art was that when I make, when I start a tattoo, I have to finish it. Right. So my thing was like, if I draw a face as a kid, I would draw an eye and the eye would be beautiful. And I go, all right, I don't yeah, need to draw pick. anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's enough. So, very much, you know, uh, an amateur version of a Da Vinci sketchbook. It's not like fully yeah. rendered art, it's like, what's the gist of what I'm trying to draw? What do I find? Oh, I think it's done. I'm disinterested. So, I'd lose interest really right. quickly.
0: Tattooing made me maintain interest. Right, and focus. Yeah, it's interesting. Anyone who's, like, successful in anything, and it could be, like, in any walk of life, you know, whether, like, you're an athlete or an artist, doctor, whatever it is, there's always some of that. There's always, like, this, like, you're kind of, like, dancing around your potential until, like, something really motivates you. to be like. For you, it was, like, finishing the tattoo is what really your art came to fruition because you were kind of forced to do it. You know, I think, like, when I got to med school, like, academically is when... I kind of was forced to meet my potential. I was kind of just dancing around that, like up until then, you know, Let's do or die. So do yeah. it or fail, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then they like, say, "Oh shit, I'm pretty good at this actually." You know, mm-hmm. like or, I'm, I'm a smart, I'm, I'm a, you know, like I'm a smarter guy than I thought I was. You know, mm-hmm. those little those wins add up. So I'm sure like with each tattoo you did, it's like, oh, oh shit, like you well, know,
1: you're, you're also taught as a child in America like your 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 success in education is your success as a human being, and it's just not the truth. And so we're taught that the most successful kids are the ones who are good at school. It's just not true. It's just not true. The most successful adults are not the ones who are good at school. It's just not the truth. And so, in fact, it's so far from the opposite. Uh, It's so it's, it's, it's your social intelligence matters because this world, this life is about experience with people. You know, that saying, it's not what you know, it's who, you know, well, it's true. It's, it's, It's not who, you know, it's like, how do you relate to people? How can you work together with people? You can't do anything great in this world by yourself. You need to work with people. And so your social intelligence matters so much more than your
0: academic intelligence. Having um, I mean, in life. That's so well said, man. You know, EQ is much more important than, than IQ. I talk about that a lot. I think that's why I, you know, I think I'm like a good dermatologist, but I can, I can interact with people in a really just humane Present way, and that's what makes you. That's what makes you good at what you do. That's what makes me good at what I do. That's what makes what makes anyone. That's the X factor, right? Yeah. And it's true. Like academic success plays no role in that. That's not to say if you're academically successful, you can't be successful. Totally. But yeah, a lot of the most successful people I know actually are folks that weren't that. That wasn't their success point. Like academics. It's whatever they did with people with business. You know that that sort of stuff. So very very true, man. Um. So you know don't, don't go back to like the, your specific style of tattooing so i think i'm not sure if you learned this from you know another tattoo artist or like you know you're seeing other tattoos you you became very famous for like very detailed like these look like, sort of like the wispy you know like just really stuff that folks weren't used to seeing so much so that when you came to new york to be a tattoo artist folks were like this shit's not even real like you know <laughs> this is some you know yeah. no one could believe that you were actually creating tattoos like that i was a kid and i i was doing things that were
1: not I mean, now, now that I giggle at them, but I was doing things that 19-year-olds weren't doing. And so when I brought my portfolio to
0: get jobs... So it's like what kind of stuff, up. just for folks that aren't really familiar?
1: Um, I was doing realism, which when I started tattooing in 2004, 2005, I think it was 2004, um, when I started tattooing, realism was not common. It's still not common. The common, common tattooing is Americana traditional tattooing. You go to any state and you'll find a... Uh, uh, you know A handful of artists That do their version Of uh, You know Traditional Americana tattooing I think Sailor Jerry Or you know Even in New York City They do a, a A punk version Of Japanese style tattooing In the 90s And early 2000s And some of those Most famous New York City tattooers are Still doing that The guys who You know Made uh, Miami Ink And and you know the, the famous tattoo shops Before we started working They weren't realism based And so when I was doing realism as a kid who was tattooing for eight months, um, yeah, but people didn't believe I was making those images in my portfolio. And so I couldn't get a job for weeks. Kept going, kept going, kept going. Finally, somebody gave me a job. And quickly, uh, I, so I worked on this strip in New York City on West 4th yeah, Street. Yeah, my office is right here there. I'm yeah. up to yeah. the tent. So, yeah. you know, West 4th yeah. like the little cringy. The on the corner. It's a little cringy. cringy. <laughs> a little cringy. Yeah. So my store was called... Uh the store I worked in was called Crazy Fantasy. And right next door was called Fantasy Party. It was a sex shop. So a tattoo shop attached yeah. to a sex shop, same branding. And it was four tattoo artists in a room this big and and we were crammed in there. It was filthy. It was gross at the time. I don't know what it's like now. Don't sue me. Um we <laughs> shared a bathroom. We had to go in the sex shop. Down the basement, we shared a bathroom with Grace Papaya. And uh there were roaches everywhere. It was wild. Um and yeah, that was my that was my uh training day (laughs) you know what i mean um but so i you know i very much started from the bottom of tattooing before that i I, my first job was outside of a trailer park in delaware and so like i got to see every bit of tattooing every step of the way and i met great teachers along the way um and so much of my success and my ability to tattoo came from people being openly open to share their knowledge with me um and i was always the kid you know, like I mentioned, when I worked at Last Rights, I was I was a decade younger than anyone that ever worked there, and so it's kind of always the kid. Now I'm the OG. <laughs> You're still little kid to me, man, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But I think I I'm I'm not the oldest one in my store, but you know I'm up there now. Now yeah. I've got kids that are you know, fucking I is like 24 years old, and Oscars, you know, in his in his early 20s, and these guys are superstars, you know. And I'm like, man, I, I, I was not that good when I was their age, you know the the bar has moved
0: um, set by these young guys. Yeah. Well, t- talk to me about when you started like making the, you know, there were unique tattoos at the time. Like, folks weren't used to seeing that sort of stuff. Would you, very much with my tattoo, when I told Trudy, like, what well, this is kind of what I want, like, she created something that was just so much more special than I could conceive of in my head. Was that something, you know, where folks tell you, hey, I want to do this, and you would have to like, present this idea to them? Because they weren't used to seeing that. It's not like they, you know, they're like in their mind what they thought their tattoo was going to look like. It's probably yeah. very different than what you were creating
1: for them i've always tried to rethink the idea and so early on you know i was just in miami the other day and i bumped into a guy who was getting tattooed by me when i was 19 in my apartment uh mj was with me we 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 meet this guy and he goes i know you he's got a mask on i'm like i just thought it was some like a fan you know it happens i was like thanks thanks so much bro he goes no 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 no. no. i know you you know me i was like how he takes his mask off i'm like oh shit I'm like, he's like, you tattooed me in your apartment. And as soon as he said that, I was like, well, I was 19 years old because I haven't tattooed my house for fucking years. And, uh, And he pulls up his arm, and I was like, oh, shit. We made a cross on his arm and a rosary, and the cross was just made out of flowers. And although that might not blow anyone's mind, at the time and at my age and where tattooing was at the time, it was a taboo thing to make a shape out of imagery. So... You know, when I was taught tattooing, I was taught a set of rules that don't exist now. Um, and I, w- I liked breaking those rules. So early on. So the first things I make, made were really experimental. Did so you tell him
0: that? It. This guy, like, do you remember, like, the conversation? Like, hey, I want to make this cross out of flowers. Because I don't think he came to us. I want a cross out of no, flowers. No,
1: he came to me. He's like, I
0: want, I want a cross. cross. I want the Tupac cross. Right. I was, like, I was yeah. like,
1: all right, well, that's easy. But let's make it fun. You know? And so it was more of, like, always been... Well, how do I get interested in making it? Right. You know, so like yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna make your sandwich for you. Yeah, I'll make a meal for you. Yeah. You know, if you like wanna try it, you know. Yeah. So it takes a lot of trust. I've had people get up and go, I don't really like it. well, it's on you now, dog. Oh you really? know what that's I mean? happened. Well yeah, 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 absolutely. Because I'm creating something that people can't imagine. You know yeah. and sometimes the things they imagine aren't the thing i imagine like it, it, it's happened i've tattooed for 17 years yeah. so there's only a handful of those people but uh yeah I, I, the first time i tattooed lewis hamilton he got up in the mirror he goes man i don't really like the way i was like well it ain't coming out dog <laughs> so you know now he loves his tattoo but yeah. there's a there's a shock reaction of like sometimes like this isn't the thing i expected in yeah. some way shape or form um it Never bothered me because I know it's dope. Yeah, so yeah. if it takes you a minute to come around to know and it's dope, that's fine. Right. My favorite restaurant, I remember back in the day, I would always come, I'd order something, and they'd bring me something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. let me bring like, a chef. You know. Yeah. And I remember they brought me this dish once that I thought was fucking gross. And I was like, well, I got to eat it because they sent yeah. it to me. You know what I mean? And I wound up ordering it every single time. Because it took me a minute to understand the brilliance yeah. of that your yeah. it really really like became my favorite thing when it took off to me i was like well and i just remember like you know i wasn't ready for it I, di- I didn't you know what i mean and so like sometimes you know people's mind isn't isn't aren't ready for something their yeah. their ability to understand design or their style or how it fits or matches them you know sometimes it doesn't work yeah which yeah. is a weird thing
0: with tattooing yeah but uh I've never like lost sleep over it. I'm like, oh, they'll get it. It's dope. I love that. I know it's dope. I, I love what you said also about you having to be interested in the tattoo. Like, I'm not gonna make your sandwich. I'll make you a meal. I, this is fun. And I don't mean to keep talking about myself. I'm not narcissistic. But when I was when I was do- when I was talking to Trudy, like Trudy said, because I, I had all these abstract ideas that I wanted to do with the with the Ganesh. and she's like, well, you know, if it's not like really, really, she's like, I'm really much more doing into like detailed stuff, you know. And I was like, "All right, cool. You know, I t- I said I totally trust you. Like, you know, whatever your vision is. And it was like, and like I said, in my mind, what she created was so much better than anything I could think of. But not everyone know? has that ability to go, okay, I trust you. Some people need to
1: hold the wheel. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like the nervous flyers. It's like, man, that guy flying that airplane. This is a tour bus to him. Yeah, that that that, that person up there is a superstar at what they're doing. Trust them. You know what yeah. I mean? You don't want that wheel. Yeah. You know. And so sometimes, like it's hard for people to let go of control and those are the people that will design themselves a bad tattoo and the artists who will let them do it are failing them in in that way and so i don't let people art direct a bad tattoo
0: i'll say no i don't want to do it yeah i think that's that's amazing i mean, you know i think that's really what distinguishes your brand actually you know because I, I feel like all of the artists are engaged with the art that they're creating on folks, which yeah. is you know, and they're
1: allowed to say no, yeah, they, which yeah. I love. Like yeah. that's
0: a big part of the vetting process. Like they, I think actually my first the first tattoo, this is like years ago when I wanted to get a bang back to it. I didn't, it took me three years to get the guts to do it, but I think I wanted to like I requested Jay Shin or something like that initially. Um, he does all the birds and stuff, right? Like the, You're fine yeah, the yeah, And he was like, "Nah, I'm not really interested in doing it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, And they also might be burnt out on a subject matter. Yeah.
1: How many many fucking Archangel Michaels you can do before you're like, I don't think I can do that better. You know, like, I think I got to stop taking that subject matter. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, how many portraits of Pieta have I done in my career? I don't know that I could do it better unless somebody really lets me be free. Right. And so I've done so many of them. Now, if I do it, I want it to be distorted or I want to blur it or I want to smear through it or I want to like in some way this has to be yours. You know, I don't want to do the same tattoo I did when I was 19 years old. I want, I want, I want to make something really unique. I, I want to be interested. If yeah. I'm not interested, it's not going to be great. I'm going to be bored as hell. I, I told you, that, man. Um, but also, the person matters. So the subject matters, but the person matters. Like, if you suck, I don't want to tattoo you. I got to spend time with you. I want to like you, and I don't need to tattoo. None of us do, uh, and and luckily we're in a position where we're not struggling to put people in our chair. There's a, there's a long list of people. And so like, if somebody kind of sucks, it's like, well, you know, no soup for you.
0: Right. (laughs) That Famous. uh, Soup spot in New York city.
1: Get them out. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. You know, but it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that. You know, I, I like, I'm at sort of the point of my career where I don't, if a patient's like being like a, you know, just a negative energy, bring negative energy to the practice. You know, we just discharge them. Like, listen, there's like a million yeah. dermatologists in New York. You can just go, go find, some, go go find the one you love. We're not you, the one for you. You have to vibe. With yeah. the, we, and we, we try. You know.
1: Like, if somebody doesn't vibe with somebody, they're allowed to pass them to another yeah. artist. And so we get that sometimes. And uh, Trudy's wonderful with this. She takes a lot of, the, you know, pita is what they call them in restaurants. Pain in the ass. Right? Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean, like like, people are allowed to ask a million questions. We want that. We, what, you know, we want people to feel comfortable. We want to make them comfortable. Sometimes there are people who you can't make happy. Yeah. Sometimes there are people who aren't ready for a tattoo. They want one, but they're not ready for one. And so they're not ready to let go of that control and trust yeah. that artist in their process. And if the artist doesn't feel 100% about making it, like, they're supposed to stop right away. Like, if they're unsure, they stop right away. Because the only thing that happens if they continue is, like, the end result they're not happy with. And so, like, we don't want to make anybody unhappy. We don't want your money that bad. We want you to be happy. If we, if we don't think we can make you happy, we should stop before we tattoo you because it's going to get worse. You know okay. what I mean? So, you know, we're just protective of the artist's experience. they got to be in their flow. You know, we're protective of the client and their happiness. We want you to be happy. If we're
0: not confident that we can give you the thing that will make you happy, like, we shouldn't do it. Like, pause immediately. Yeah, that's a, a very evolved way to run your business. And, you know, more businesses should learn from that and do that because it's, it's important. Like I said, when we were starting the podcast, you know, your response to failure is something that really, really was very compelling to me. Um, and, you know, we talked about some of them, you know, kicked out, well, you're your tough upbringing, you kicked out of boarding school, which is like, you know, it was your dream to go to boarding school. Come to New York, can't get a job. Um, you, you know, you get a job. There, and then, you know, I, this is, like, I don't know if this is the actual truth, but, like, you, know, all of the things that you read in the media and stuff is, like, you know, that Rihanna tattoo is what kind of, like, flipped the switch, you know? A little bit. I tattooed
1: Rihanna before she was, you know, a fashion icon, superstar, megastar. It was, like, Ponde Replay was out, and then Umbrella just dropped. Yeah. But, like, Jay-Z was kind of known for bringing artists up and putting them on, and they, they... i I struggle to think of ones that ascended like she did you know you think kanye maybe yeah you know what i mean but like you know did jay-z put kanye on i don't know maybe brought him to you know new york in our you know mass culture we all love jay-z we learned of kanye many of us learned of kanye because of him many of us learned about rihanna because of jay-z and uh and so when i tattooed like some sanskrit on her hip um which hey, was your creative vision.
0: She actually wanted something different, I believe, right?
1: She, we were gonna put it on the back of her leg, but yeah. she's bow-legged as fuck. <laughs> she won't be mad at me for saying it. Everybody's anatomy is different. So if your legs are straight up and down, that works. It's very linear. If your legs have any slight curve to it, if I follow your leg, now we have a, now we're showing yeah, yeah. right a, an angle we don't want to show, right? Your tattoo is gonna be pointed this way, yeah. You know, it should be vertical. So you know, we we I, I've always fished for interesting spots on the body. I don't know why. It's just like we're taught to put things here. We're taught to stand straight to your side and put it on the side of your arm. Well, we don't perceive people in that way. I see the front half of you. So why would I stand to the side of you and place the thing on the side of your arm? Yeah. So I'm I'm like, how do I perceive this body? What are their unique shapes? How do I accent shapes? How do I complement shapes? How do I hide shapes that that uh, that you know someone would want hidden how do I make this appealing to the eye in every way right and so um with her in that body placement like um that we chose and and really all of her tattoos, they're really unique placements, yeah, and like so the, little the gun that's over here so the the gun is really what interestingly that was the first photo of rihanna um after you know after she was in some tough shit you know Mm -hmm. and so it it, when i did this tattoo i put it on myspace fucking cnn was calling me in the the middle of the night uh, rihanna got a gun tattoo what is it about is it about this is it about that and i was like whoa 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 whoa. my (laughs) name's bang bang (laughs) (laughs) she came in with a gun necklace you know two years earlier and i was like we should do a little gun on you right and uh, we just ended up doing it. It wasn't, it wasn't about anything other than, let's do this little dope little gun. You know? Yeah. It wasn't that deep. But people want to make everything celebrities do into some really deep thing. I want right. to create a narrative that's non-existent. Right. And so I, I wound up getting thrown into press playing defense. with something I'd never done before. I'd never been in press. I never did PR. I never did marketing. Yeah, I was a kid. Uh, um. And so I was learning how to manage crisis in this mode so that the story didn't become something negative about her and her life and why she got this tattoo. It was like, I learned a lot in that moment. I also made a lot of connections in press in that moment. So I learned the interest that press and media had in celebrities. This was still pre-Instagram. MySpace was still like, people had MySpace, but that wasn't. What social media is now um and so um magazines were interested in this photo and they you know i learned whenever i tattooed somebody i could control the narrative and i could bridge the gap my goal became to bridge the gap between fashion and tattooing fashion magazines wanted to know what they were getting tattooed and so i'd say you can use this photo if you write this article and so here's what I it guess. needs to say. Here's how it needs to say. You need to put it on the website. My name needs to be hyperlinked to here. And I learned how to do PR and media myself because I controlled these images that, right. that media wanted. And so I could set stipulations to anything I wanted. And I could make sure that the narrative was positive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of, you know, oh, this drunken tattoo night, right. which is what people were equating tattooing yeah. to... Um, it was style and design and unique and expression. I think that picture with the gun was like Vogue or
0: something like that, right? Or All something. over.
1: Yeah, yeah, you name it. Yeah, I could. I would think that. Uh, I, I mean, thousands of magazine covers. The tattoos I've done have been on the cut on the front because the people I'm tattooing are setting style trends. You know, and so, you know, God, thank God for Rihanna. <laughs> um, she carried tattooing in a way that only like angelina jolie had previously Mm -hmm. so the 90s like the it girl got a tattoo and it became style and people were like oh wow that that girl that everybody's in love with for her style and her her ability and her talent is getting tattooed oh maybe it's okay right and so rihanna came and did that did you know who she was when she came with Kevin? fuck no just knew she was some singer You know, but there's a lot of singers in New York City. Like people make music on the radio. Okay, cool. Nice to meet you, you know, but like she wrote the forward of my book and her, her, uh, her impression to me was that I didn't give a fuck who she was. This is what she said. She
0: said you were a gangster, man. She said I was gangster.
1: And, uh, and I'm, I'm, man, I'm still that way. I don't give I I don't give a shit who people think you are. Are you kind? What do you yeah. like? Are you nice? Do you want something cool? I'm humbled that you want it for me. You know? like, And that's it. It's not like, how famous is this person? Right. So many people I met, I didn't know anything about them. I mean, I knew Justin Bieber was like a YouTube guy. Yeah. I met Bieber when he was 18 and tattooed him. But I, I live under a rock of tattooing. Right. Try, trying to succeed in this taboo industry. So, you know, like, I met Katy Perry. I just knew that she... St- saying i kissed a girl and i liked it yeah. it was the only things i knew of right. people but i i never i never really did a ton of homework on these people until i met them decided i like them now i'm a fan of them so right. i'm a fan of their work so you know like okay. i've listened to a bunch of rihanna music after i met her yeah. knew her and she was my friend well, you were compelled to do a deeper dive you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you know i'm i'm not a. I don't know what the word is, socialite. I don't know what the fuck. I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't, I don't go to clubs. I don't go. You know, I'm, all of my success or perceived success has been really organic from just focusing on the work. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, which is the way it's sustainable. You know, that's the only way it's sustainable. But, it, but a lot of people do it the other way around. I, I, I watch the, you know. People trying to meet people to get work on those people to, you know, to do whatever they can to find the people who will help them get the thing they want, which is attention. You know, and I never really chased attention still don't like much more interested in respect. It sustains
0: longer, you know, absolutely. So, so talk to me about now, like when you've opened your first shop, man. So I know like your first bang, bang, you know, it was, it was tough. And that was a, you know, you learn you learn from that experience but it was you know it, was, it wasn't a success the first bang bang well the first bang bang store wasn't mine and it was a success
1: it was really successful but it wasn't my success um a family member you know wanted to, came to me it was like hey let's open a store you know i had this client list that was yeah. mega i was the busiest artist in new york city at the time i was still really young and how old were uh, you at the time shit like 20 Six Something like cured, that. Man. Yeah. Um, maybe a little younger. this is twenty like thirteen. Like
0: so your mid twenties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know.
1: A long time ago. Yeah. That came to me. I was living in a little basement apartment, grinding, you know, tattooing, booked for six months.
0: Um, and um So that mean you're tattooing every day, like you're Monday through Friday. Like when you say book for six months, I mean I work Do you half, allocate like five I, days a week or you do it? When I was working six and seven, six, seven days okay, a
1: week. I was it. a lunatic. I was working more than anyone because it was that, you know, man, Michael Jordan was my idol growing up. Like I wanted to be, the go- yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to outwork everybody. I wanted, I wanted the gap between, you know, I wanted to be number one and I wanted the gap between me and number two to be so large there was no argument. That was my competitive mindset. And so like I could sit down and tattoo. I was a decade younger than everybody I worked with. I could tattoo longer. I could work harder. I had more energy and more inspiration and more fire to do it because I was chasing this mm-hmm. thing. And so, you know, that pissed some people off. And some people it didn't. Some people um, congratulated and, and loved my work
0: ethic. But um, I, I put in the hard work and I was tattooed you, for no, it, it, there's this line that I read the other day. It's like no one who's working harder than harder than you will ever say something about your work. You know, <laughs> yeah some who work less than you yeah right? it's true.
1: it's true. I caught a lot of shit you know I, I was half the age of some of the people that I worked with, and uh and i and i I felt I was twice as talented, but beyond that, like I felt like I had, I had ten times the, the motivation and, and work ethic yeah. and uh although you know I had a lot of work to do, I wasn't scared of it. I wasn't scared of doing the hard work. I wasn't scared to go home every night while everybody else went out. I wasn't scared to prepare mentally for the next day and do it every day, all day, relentlessly. Um, because I knew what my goal was. I wanted to be, I wanted to that top spot.
0: Yeah, to be, you know like, what I mean? Tattooing, man. I wanted to be,
1: I wanted, that's what I wanted. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, and I didn't feel like I was there. I don't know. I don't think about it much now. Like people tell me that's where I am now, and I don't I don't give it I don't give myself much thought. You know, you get older, you're like, uh, you know, people are like, How do you perceive yourself? Well, I don't I don't perceive myself at all. Perceive the room, my my team, my crew. I'm in awe of these people and I'm flattered that they let me lead the way. But you know, so much of my success is my team of people. Like it's not what I've done. Bang bang's running right now. Without me, I don't even know what's going on. It's running to the degree of the experience you got, mm-hmm. you know, and that has nothing to do with me today. It has to do with me years ago setting it up, making that machine. But mm-hmm. the talented people who do it all day, who who run that store, who operate, who tattoo in that store under our flag, like that is why we're successful. So like all credit to them. So that's another reason why I, like you know I don't you don't have time to sit around and perceive like myself that's like you lose your ego when you get older you know what i mean yeah absolutely man it's like ego doesn't make money
0: yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying plus you got a lot of shit going i mean there's like you know we've just kind like private conversations that we've had you have a lot a lot on your plate you know you're always you're moving so you don't you know you don't have time to sit around, sit around and think, think ponder um so just just continue that thought though so, so you're like working six or seven days a week and and i and i get the call from you know it was my pops. Hey I want to
1: open a bang bang store all right let's do it. Here's my criteria you know it's got to feel like me and I've got final call and everything all right cool we rush into it get this were you space. making pretty serious coin at that point nah okay nah but neither were tattoo artists right so I had the highest price point in tattooing at the time it was 300 bucks an hour okay now that would be a deal you know right. from a from a from a really well sought after tattoo artist so we've kind of changed that metric of pricing right. because You know, after taxes, you have a family, insurance, and retirement. Like, you know, it turns into nothing. In New York City, $300 an hour turns into nothing. It sounds crazy to no. But you have serious overhead, man. I'm a senior space man. <laughs> <You> know, <it's- laughs> but even even when I didn't, though, like you know, if if I if I charge three hundred dollars an hour and I were five billable hours over eight hours of tattooing, turns into fifteen hundred bucks. You give the store you work for half that money. You make seven hundred fifty dollars a day. It Sounds like a lot. Insurance costs fucking twenty two hundred dollars a month. Your rent yeah. costs, your car insurance, your you know extra medical bills. You know having kids. Like my, my wife was stay at home. Mom, thankfully she, she made that sacrifice and did that and all credit to her for doing it. Cause our kids are wonderful because of it. And, uh, you know, like it, it turns into like, it's hard to survive, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that needed to change, mm-hmm. but I get the call, you know, let's do this thing. I'm like, all right, here's my criteria. We search for spaces. We find spaces, they rent it, you know, um, all in their name they trademark the name bang bang for tattooing they um they they control and run it and i'm a tattoo artist i'm the face of it mm-hmm. but i had no ownership you were the only tattoo artist at that type no we we had four other guys and it, it did succeed and even before we were open before we had furniture inside i'll tell you it took eight months to get furniture inside these people were not at my pace mm-hmm. and so my pops and his business partner you know were not to my in my eyes working at the pace in which i was mentally mm-hmm. working physically working um and you know eight months were in there tattooing like with nothing inside and furniture like rihanna's coming in justin bieber's coming in. i'm like yo we need furniture what are we doing here they're running around trying to get free furniture and sponsorships and people, like, well, let's buy furniture right. let's build shit let's yeah. go and so, you know, instead of like playing this social game of like, who do we know that can give us, you know, some sponsored, man, right? You can't rely on other people yeah. to get where you're trying to go. You gotta go. You gotta go now. You gotta go fast. Yeah. Iron's hot. You know what I mean? Go to Goodell. And know. so yeah. it it became this struggle of like, all right, I stay patient. I try to be cool. You know, my name's on the door, but I'm in this environment where like, man, I I don't know what's going on with the bills. I don't. I'm my name's not on any accounts. I don't own the trademark. I'm not, I'm not the boss. You know what I mean? I'm the face. And so the roles they were supposed to do, it really boiled over. My wife was pregnant. We didn't have insurance taken care of. And I'm like, we need insurance. This is what we agreed to. This is, you know, now my wife's eight months pregnant. We still don't have the insurance. We still have furniture inside. We rented a space. I'm tattooing it. It's making profit. And we weren't there. And I was like, it was, it came to a, a a head at like, I bought a vase. Put it in the lobby. My pops took it downstairs. It was like, "I don't like that." I was like, "Motherfucker, my name's on the door. I can't." It made me. It made a click. Like, yeah. "Oh, oh, I work for you. I work for you. I'm not working for you." So I told him, "I was like, man, I'm not happy. I don't want to do this. I want to buy you out." My pops' response to me was, "Fuck you. I own your name. I'll run it without you." I'm a, um, oh shit! It was wild, and I I didn't expect it because I was like came to a mature I gave it so much thought I was so unhappy you know and you 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 know to get that response was like you just don't expect it you know what I mean I I didn't expect it and it felt like money was doing something weird I knew there was some drug use you know some drinking some weird behavior but money might have been the worst drug you know I I don't know I could be wrong but I didn't. I, n- I never made any money other than what I made as a tattoo artist. Right. I never had any ownership or rights to it other than like, you know, I was told I was a partner. That wasn't reality. And so it came down to like them trying to get me to sign this contract that just would have put handcuffs on me, and not the kind of handcuffs you want. You want golden handcuffs,
0: yeah. You know? Did you read the like, contract? Or did you have a, Did you hire like an
1: attorney? Like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually I wound up calling a dear friend of mine who was a professional athlete. Uh-huh. Like, I had never seen a contract right. before. I kicked out of high school. Fuck, what's a contract? But the only thing I could think of is like, athletes, right, talent. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. right? So I called my my friend who I had met, Christian Carino, who's now my agent. He's the most famous oh, wow. agent in the world. And, you know, I don't know how I tricked him into signing me, but, you know, he is every he's done every of the biggest deal ever. Um, but I was calling Christian when I was young. I'm like, man, this is scaring me. I don't know what to do. You know? He was a client of mine. He was a friend of mine, but, We didn't work together. I don't even know if I knew what a superstar Christian was, but he always took the time for me. Mm. You know, there's those people in the world who don't have anything to gain from you, but will help you. Those are the ones you have to find. They're called friends. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Really? And I was lost. And and people like Christian Omar Johnson, who was the CMO of Beats by Dre, and before that Nike, and now he owns Opus. Um, um, I was calling, you know, my friend Thierry Henry. I was calling Christian Carino. I was calling Omar Johnson. I was calling these people, um, and 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 Karen Bridboard, who's a uh, psychologist, who's helping me get through this yeah. crazy time. And now she's one of my business managers. I'm calling these core people of like, man, I don't know what to do. Can you help me navigate this? Like, and and those people were really like I was calling them every day to try to figure this yeah. shit out. Um and uh and I, they were the only people I would know had any knowledge of contracts. And they were, you know. They helped me navigate to it. I thought that I was trapped. I was getting threatened to be sued. I was getting, Lord, lawy- you don't expect this shit Jeez, from your cops. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially after like just, I mean, they invested 50 grand. Fucking 50 grand yeah. is like a watch one of my clients doesn't wear anymore. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's money, but it's yeah. this is not like sue your son over. Right. And especially like, I, I wasn't like, I'm quitting, I'm out. I want to buy you out and I right. want to work with you in this capacity. So it was a, it was a struggle and you know, I'm sure he sees it different, yeah. you know, but you know, from my perspective, it was like, I wasn't happy. I wanted to do, I wanted to go. And uh it was a struggle to get out
0: of it. Did, was it the same logo you have now? Like, did you have to buy that? No, no, nah, no.
1: Nah. They owned the trademark of the name to which I won that from prior use proof. So I got to, Cancel their trademark and secure my trademark and was ex- own the what, name
0: Bang Bang. Was it expensive to do that?
1: Nah, it was really like do you have pr- er, first use proof? Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean. Yeah. And so when I was eighteen years old, I made an email bangbangtattoos yeah. at yahoo dot com. Shit, uh. don't email me that. Email's dead. I'm not, che- <laughs> I'm not checking it. So yeah, I don't even use that email anymore. So but but that first use proof. You know, when I was yeah. eighteen, I got guns tattooed in my neck and said Bang Bang. Yeah. The name came from somebody making fun of me for it, you know, and I just stuck. Um, So when I had that first use proof, I could cancel their registration and secure it myself. And that was my first like win. Like, right. Cool.
0: So you're no longer tattooing there at that point? Like it was done? man, Man, I showed up as we were
1: negotiating the buyout. It was really ugly. It was really ugly. They wanted 240 grand and then all these stipulations of. You know I Catch can't it, fully go it. into it, but like it was like there were penalties if I were late, and they were trying to get me to, you know, they If if it felt like oh, they crazy. were trying to screw me and for more man. money, it really was. And uh, at the eleventh hour, it was like this motherfucker's on vacation in Mexico. I'm like bleeding, trying to scrap every dollar I can, beg, borrow, and stealing anything I can, and trying to get this fucker the money he wants. And uh, and you know, at the eleventh hour, we just found out. The lawyers were like, no, you got to run. You can't buy this because X. I can't speak more to why, mm-hmm, But one, yeah. um, it was like, oh, man, they're wow. really trying to shake me down. Fuck it, I'm out. I took my money, rented Broom Street, built Broom Street in 57 days from lease signing to opening, did everything the right way, insured everything that wasn't done previously yeah. and correctly. We did it. We handled it. Business yeah, managers, accountants we we actually built things <laughs> you know we made a custom space did you have to borrow money to do that man um a little bit yeah a little bit it's another thing i can't speak to a ton but i i, I can say that i had
0: like bank me. loans or just like i no nah, okay nah, just
1: friends cool. dear friends helped me yeah you know um and i couldn't have i, I would have. it would have failed if i didn't have the sure, help man. of some some of those people that i mentioned yeah. earlier and uh you know these people are my saints. Yeah, man. You know, not only like emotionally, but in some cases, some of those people financially helped. You know, were
0: you in therapy during any of this stuff? Fuck
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I was I was going nuts. I was going nuts. I didn't know how to navigate this shit. I was going crazy. I was like, I remember getting out of my car, wishing I would just get hit by a car. <laughs> like yeah. it was it was it was hard. There's so so many heavy elements to that time in your life, man. It was tough, and you know my. Uh, my wife was pregnant. I had a newborn. Wow. I had a a, a four year old already, and the, it, these people were counting on me. There were employees looking at me like, "When are we yeah. open? What are we doing? What are we?" So we, sh- during that negotiation, that tough negotiation of buyout, um, or the proposed buyout, like we showed up one day and the locks were changed. We Jeez. were working the day before, and we came and the locks were changed. We're like, "The fuck?" Call locksmith. They were like. You know, you got to show me the lease. I can't just open this for you. I Google myself like, look, bro, this is this is this is it. And uh, and and I actually left because I was like, this is such a legal thing. I can't be around for this. So, you know, somebody worked with me, got the locksmith to do the thing, open the door and it was empty. It was all gone. And overnight they came in and wiped the shit out, painted everything, stole a bunch of my equipment. My tattoo machines were gone. Other artists shit was gone. It was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen oh, yeah. uh and really unforgivable and um and uh man, it just a colossal fa- failure, you know what i mean um and I was there with nothing this is twenty this is all in twenty thirteen all that happened in like twenty yeah thirteen or fourteen, yeah okay. sounds about right
0: and then so from there, like were you working on the new location like simultaneously? <laughs> So from there, from the locks
1: getting changed, that was really their power move to make me agree to buy out, yeah, right? Yeah. So we've been negotiating. Like you'd have a place to work now. Right. I, I went. Yeah. I went and worked for some friends, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. But it was it was crazy. Like through all that, I was still tattooing at a pace that nobody could keep up with. The stores weren't open long enough. Like their employees, their doors were not unlocked long enough for me to tattoo as much as I wanted to. Wow. So like I had to go to another store. And the same thing, like, they just weren't open as much as I would even tattoo.
0: Was it therapeutic so, for you tattooing? Like, kind of just doing your, you know, or was it just like a means to an end? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously you love doing it, it but it you had to do it. gave me confidence. Okay. It gave
1: me confidence in, like, I could still make great tattoos. Right. and And it was like, you know, my tattoo machines went missing. Well, I could still make beautiful tattoos without my tools, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not the shoes, yeah, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was thinking of Jordan. It's not right. the shoes. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's me. I'm the one who has this ability. I can do it, you know? So making great tattoos gave me great confidence, you know? Because everything else was falling apart. Right. But, it's one thing um, you can have full control over it, you know? Exactly. And so, you know, the 11th hour, the lawyers are like, no, bail. Um, and, you know, they threatened this, that, the other. But at that point, like, I understood I was not in trouble. They were in trouble. 'Cause they fucked up. And um and I took an aggressive stance of you don't wanna fuck with me. Now I got lawyers, now I got people, now I understand the situation. I dare you. Fuck around and find out. I became real aggressive, but like you're not gonna bully me anymore. Like I'll whoop your ass. I dare you. You know? And so it gave me this real aggressive chip on my shoulder and I became like I had a I had a bad guy, you know, like I'm gonna kick somebody's ass now. So that, that really helped me in that time of like, you know, I had a reason other than obviously my desired success or right. even my family just, or just my something kids, to crush. it <laughs> was like, I got somebody yeah. to crush and, uh, and, you know, I'm going to run up the score, you know? Yeah. Um, you're still trying in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's already blown out. <laughs> and, 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 and it was it added to the people because every time I left the store, it was like, you know, uh, you know anytime I ever left working for somebody, it was like, oh, you're the best employee we have, you're the best earner, you're the hardest worker, you're this, you're that. And I stopped making you money and it's fuck you. You know, and I realized like, ew, that's yeah. gross. I got that experience so many times. Yeah. And now, like, as I run my company, I'm the opposite. You don't want to work for me anymore? Yo, good luck. Yeah. I'll do anything for you. I'll do anything for you. You want to open your own store? Let me know how I can help. You want to go to work somewhere else? Yo, I got nothing but love. Like, it's all good. I, I, I am now that guy who I had wished. You wish you had, yeah. Exactly. And so, like. I love that, man. Yeah. It, it, man, it ain't all about money. I don't give a fuck about money. Like, if I wanted money, I'd, hire, I'd have 500 tattoo artists employed right now. I got 30 of
0: the best people yeah you know what i mean i want to go down that road a little bit because one of the things i follow obviously i follow you guys on social media i love it um what i love most about it though is the culture that you've created because i see like you guys will go out for like happy hour just do cool shit go to great adventure or go to you know as a group as a collective so it's always like the same you know like it's like a crew of like eight or ten folks that are always rolling together at these like really fun events having drinks together partying together I'd like it and, if all 30 of them came, but not everybody likes the same shit. So when yeah, we play paintball
1: and some, some, some people hang behind, they don't want to get shot. When we go cruising. Some people don't want to be on a boat. Right. When
0: we go to Disney. Some people are like, I don't want to get. But this. you do a lot of that. And yeah. you know, the culture, it's just such a beautiful thing to see. It's all, it's very inspiring for me as a, as an employer to see things like that, you know, cause it really, makes a big difference. Like, you know, you have to be socially connected with your people and you guys have to be friends. And a lot right. of folks will say that that's not a good way to run a business. Or you can't be friends with your employees. I think that's the only way to really run a business. Yeah, I you disagree. Know? I'll
1: tell you, I'm not. I'm not friends with everybody who I work with because there's a line, right? Our yeah. staff is, you know, is there to do their job, and if they're too, and I don't mean staff as in our artists. Our staff, our associate yeah, you know, staff, yeah. our, our our back of house staff. Like, there's a line, and yeah. so that line is right there if you're an employee it's a different relationship right. now our contractors are different i get to hire my friends yeah i get to hire people i would want to hang out with. right so i get to vet who you admire they're people. your peers you know I, I i'm like starstruck oftentimes i'm like at a prep station with like three of the best tattoo artists in the world and i'm like "Fuck, man i'm on this team you know like that feels good it's like the avengers of tattooing yeah i've heard this before (laughs) um it's 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 kind of true though you know and uh there's no ego there's no competition none of these guys are competing with each other which is something i always experienced throughout tattooing who's busy or who's making more money or who has a bigger instagram or nobody gives a shit we're busy you know it's not like who's booked for six months man you're booked tomorrow yeah. Everybody's booked tomorrow. It doesn't matter how you know. You don't want to be booked for six months. God forbid you get sick. Now you're, you know, fucked for four months. You know yeah. what I mean? So you know we're we're in an awesome position where like we're just there's no egos. Everybody's rooting for everybody. Everybody does something different, and they do it well. You know.
0: Does uh, tell me a little about COVID, man? Like when you know when the shit went down. Like was, you guys had to completely shut down for how long? Four or five months.
1: That was wild. You know, just meanwhile the governor's you know shutting us down. He's trying to fuck his, you know, assistance. Yeah, you know what crazy I mean. Man. This fucking guy, um, it's it, it just mind boggling. Did what, you come what out what of it these like, people
0: did to New York? I know it, it's it's crazy. Man, New York was at its highest peak, man, and like they were still the accepting taxes. Of, though we're still getting tax I bills. I know, man. I hear you.
1: So we're, you know what I mean? Like, it, I was I was offended by. You know New York government's handling of the coronavirus for businesses. No doubt, man. Even now, I'm still offended by it. We tried to order from one of my favorite restaurants yesterday. Of course, yeah. it's closed. Yep, it's crazy. You know? Of course, it's closed. Like, man, you know, you go to Miami. I, I was in a taxi yeah. in Florida. Taxi driver goes, "Covid was great for Florida," yeah. and I was like, "Oh shit, I never thought about that." Yeah, because it it was so bad for New York, but yeah. like financially business-wise property values business everything came up 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 in florida meanwhile in new york city everything died and struggled and and quite literally obviously people died it's tragic but the the way we handled it hurt everybody and you look you know i've got friends in other countries that were getting all their bills paid we gave people a couple crumbs here's your 1200 bucks or 600 bucks a month man every citizen in canada was getting thousands of dollars a month in uh in in korea you know government's telling you stay home they're shipping you groceries thank you for staying home here's masks here's food you know it's like i watched how poorly we handled it Mm -hmm. with an educated vision of how the rest of the world was handling it and you know, even now, we're the most vaccinated country in the world. We've got the most COVID cases in the world. Yeah. We're still not doing it right. It, we're still in a pandemic. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, it is it is the, it, it, you know, our federal government kind of said, well, we're going to let the states handle it. And so now we have all these different states with all these different opinions with all these different governing bodies. And it's like, you know... Yeah. We have no unifying. Mission. Yeah,
0: it was, it was crazy. I went to Miami in February of like uh, last year with the kids, and my wife, and I Just posted a picture of like my family on like my Instagram story, and I look I got like twenty or thirty DMs from patients in New York. Like, oh shit, doc, you're down here, in, in, uh, and <laughs> because everybody's are you in like, Miami. Are you opening up shop down here? We're all down here. Yeah, it's it was crazy. Everyone was in fucking Florida, man.
1: Yeah um
0: understandably because it was more,
1: more government doesn't always mean better government. yeah because you know? it was
0: depressing in new york i used to come in on fridays to see emergency patients couldn't even get a cup of coffee like the city was just I'm, it was so sad to see you know like yeah. in the beginning of march of of 2020 we were at our peak i remember i went to like a nets game the wednesday before the city shut down and like folks were starting to wear masks a little bit um yeah. But yeah, I saw I saw Memphis. So I, saw, I saw that was the only time I ever saw, I got to see John Moran play. Um, it was an awesome game, and that was it. Like the, the next two days later, the city was shut down. Yeah, and like it's and now it's just like I mean the crime's out of control. a yeah. lot of homeless. All of the restaurants, my favorite restaurant, shut down too. Lots of places. Just it, the streets are like half empty, like vacant. It's crazy to see.
1: Even more than half yeah. empty. It was like it was already 25 percent business vacancy in New York City pre-pandemic I, I would bet it's closer to 40 now you know what yeah. I mean you can't walk down a street where half the stores aren't vacant and that's because you know the the property taxes are high you know state taxes are high federal taxes are high you know we're in New York City we pay 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 to play here right but it doesn't come back to us. You know what I mean? It's not like our subways are improving. Our infrastructure is getting any better. You know, my entire adult life, like New York's built like a bridge. And I think that it was the only bridge built in our country in that time period. And so like we don't put our money into our people. You go to Japan and see something different. It's like, oh, wow, shit works here. Things run correctly. It's clean. It's operational. It's safe. You know uh it's an older civilization yeah. older society and a less selfish society and way yeah. of being uh, Americans often think we're the center of the universe we don't think as a group we don't act as a group um, and uh and you know our, our a lot of our politicians are self-serving our our almost all almost all of us <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> one of my favorite sayings is a, is a politician will politician the way an apple tree apples. You know, like I don't care what color they are, politicians gonna politician. You know? I like that. <laughs> it is what it is. And so, you know, it's just been a, it's been an interesting show to watch. Yeah. But, you know, we're right in the middle of it in New York City throughout the pandemic, closed, still having to pay our bills. Yeah. It's just bleeding, bleeding, bleeding with, with little help. Thank God, you know, they introduced a PPP, it helped us stay afloat, it helped us stay alive. Just survive. I mean, just uh, that I mean, a paycheck protection yeah. program is yeah. was really less for business and more for, you know, to keep your employees employed yeah. off of unemployment, unemployment yeah. right? Which so, don't give it to anyone, Because because if you're if they're still on payroll, they still we still pay payroll tax, right? Exactly. So like you know they yeah. want to keep that circle going, um, and uh, you know when it started, you had to spend seventy percent on paychecks, thirty yeah. percent of the money you could spend on your business well in new york city our rent is high and right, our right. overhead paycheck cost is low so our pvp numbers are not you know like like a company with thousands of people getting yeah. millions of dollars it's like you're trying to most of your money's trying to pay on, rent most <laughs> of your money spent on yeah. rent you know yeah. what i mean we, like, it's the fucking forty thousand dollars of rent in new york city yeah. like you know what i mean so it it adds up um and so but helped us survive so i'm grateful they did that. But you know, the the person running their own business, like, struggling already, yep. like, cancel fails. I mean, the reason all the restaurants died is because restaurants don't pay large salaries, right? right? It's like tip-based. Right. And their overhead is their rent and their food cost. And so, like, your the PPP was kind of based off your salaries paid. And so that's why all the restaurants died. They didn't get much money. They didn't get much help. They okay. had to die. Um, and uh, it's like a small business genocide in New York City. And now, alternatively... You know, two hour flight away. Miami's booming. Yeah, Florida's booming. You know, yep. so you know we're still in a pandemic. P- people are still struggling. We still have like European tourism, which used to be forty percent of our clientele was tourists. Now we, I don't know if I, I don't even think five percent of our clientele yeah. today is tourists. Um,
0: somehow we're still busy. People Do you have a big backlog to fulfill? I, because I don't like for me, we kind of did like. Things started to get much, you know, things got busy pretty quick just because so many people didn't come in. Not immediately. Like our first month, people were still,
1: first month we were allowed to be open. Like we tattooed. We certainly had people who wanted to be tattooed. But like I said, we had we were so used to so many travelers. Like now we could only serve New York and local, yeah. you know, and people still weren't flying and, right. and things like that. So it took a while. But, you know, now, God, we're busier than ever, which yeah. is crazy to think we still have tourists yeah we've you know a thousand emails a day right we can't type fast enough we can't answer calls fast enough we can't tattoo yeah we don't want to tattoo fast enough but um we can't keep up with the demand which is a crazy thought but
0: i'm grateful for it yeah man that's it yeah that's absolutely man this man I i could i could talk to you forever man um but i can't keep you here forever uh you know just i love this man i really love this conversation you know it's just it really, there's, there's just so many things to take out of this conversation. I mean, one is, again, like, you know, you, you had to deal with some punches in your life. And you did. Um, you sought help when you needed it, which is a big part of becoming successful. You had people there because you had valuable relationships that wanted to help you when you needed it. Now you're helping people, I'm sure, in the same way that you were helped because you have the capacity to do that. You know, it's, it's a, literally the, the cycle of life. Um, and, like... You know, one of the things that also, just from speaking with you, because this is a much more in depth conversation than we've ever had, but just even when we're texting or exchanging DMs, it doesn't matter. Like education doesn't matter. You're you're one of the smartest people I've ever met, and you know, you have a command of business, you have a command of dealing with people, um, and it's inspiring, man. And and I, Thanks, man. I really I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story here, man. My,
1: it's really my pleasure man i i've never been the person on top of a mountain shouting you know we're we're great at this it's been people like you or media or celebrities that are saying like who we are telling the world who we are we're just focused on the work so um i'm i'm grateful that people spread the word this is it really every every the only way people have ever learned about us is word of mouth yeah. you know which is the best way we've uh I'm really proud. We've never spent a marketing dollar. We're the most followed business in New York City. It's like it's it's something I'm super proud of, and it speaks to all the people who've spoken about us. You know, because we just we just been working. You know, so it all
0: comes back to you and your team, man. I'm
1: I'm I'm humbled. Um, I'm humbled that you know that we're somebody you look up to. That feeling is mutual.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Just so I know this—you don't need to tell people where to find you, but where where should people find you, man? Google is your friend. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Just bang bang, your know, Instagram yes, is off the chain, so folks definitely need to follow yep. that. Bang
1: bang NYC, um, it's fun. You'll stay up all night obsessing over yeah. tattoos.
0: You're you gonna, know? and then you will inspire you to get a tattoo. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, brother. Well, thanks so much again for spending your morning with us. My Love pleasure. You. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mudgill Podcast. The corresponding video can be found on YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook. Let's get it.